0: If you could do just one thing to make a significant difference in your learners' lives, what would that one thing be? Feedback. Feedback within a trusted relationship can make all the difference in the world for student achievement. Are you giving your learners effective feedback? Welcome! to another session of the Learner's Mindset Discussion. I'm Dr. Dwayne Hrapnick and my wonderful colleague is?
1: Dr. Talisa Thibodeau.
0: Today, we're gonna be exploring a topic that is extremely important and one that a lot of people might not necessarily understand. And we're gonna be introducing some ideas related to that topic that are gonna expand our discussion in unique ways. We're gonna be talking about feedback. And when I say that a lot of people might not understand it, they they view feedback as, well, you write comments on a paper or you, you know give a student their test back or, you know, feedback is this summative thing that we do at the end. Um, and the reason I say that a lot of people aren't going to necessarily understand what we're going to be talking about, because we're going to introduce a notion of feed forward as opposed to feedback in the sense that feedback in the traditional summative sense is providing a response after the fact, but research by people like John Hattie and others point to the fact that the most effective thing that we can do to help student achievement is to provide feedback in a formative way that allows students to make an improvement. Uh, We call that feed forward. And when we get into, we'll explain where that term comes from. But the whole idea here is if you can come alongside your learner coach, guide and direct and give them recommendations feed forward on how to make those adjustments, how to make those improvements, how to do something different. Oh, watch out, you're ignoring this or don't you know, pay attention to this. These ideas of feeding forward are the things that will make some often some of the most significant difference in a uh, student's uh, learning and the opportunities that they have. Now, this is our opinion. Also, we've got some research that we're going to let you in on that we're just about to publish that supports our ideas. So uh, what are your thoughts on feed forward, feedback, all this good stuff?
1: I think sometimes the breakdown after writing up our research study, I learned that the breakdown is sometimes in the understanding and receptivity to that feedback. And so we talk about a, a little bit about the growth mindset and why that's important in terms of understanding your feedback and being able to then take that feedback and feed forward with it. And we, we also, in our research, take a look at the notion of significance of discourse dialogue during feedback and, and really talking about what that is. That's not just, you know oh, we're having a quick conversation about, oh, you forgot to put a period here. You know, those are simple, small grammatical things, sometimes style and formatting things. We also, I think, need to take a look at and have some conversation around feedback to deepen learning and to promote self-regulated learning. So all of those pieces if you kind of pull all those, those pieces together, it, they all have, they all sort of have um, connections to feeding forward. And what, what does that mean for the students? I think we should take a look at what feedback is and then maybe delve into what be, how we take feedback to, to feed forward. Make sense?
0: Oh, I, I think so. Um, before we actually jump into actually doing that, I, I want to just sort of um re-emphasize a point you made and and this is something that i think is going to be really important and and our research points to this the whole notion of receptivity um feedback is extremely important but if a learner isn't really prepared to accept that feedback it's not going to make a difference and so what we did in our research is we took a look at some of the factors involved in how do you prepare a learner to receive that feedback what you know what What's the type of environment? What are the conditions? How is that received? And this is extremely important. And and we've seen that in some of the research dealing with um, feedback in 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 other ways, where um, very few people actually look at that preparedness to accept that that feedback. And I think we learned some lessons. We also learned some lessons in terms of what feedback is, right? If you think about that, because when we when we queried our learners in the research project. Um, they had a much broader context of feedback than we really did and they included uh, some things that that we didn't necessarily see as feedback. For example, the dialogue or interaction, the coaching that we do with learners, they view that as a form of feedback. So we were working with the learner dialoguing, going back and forth, guiding, consulting, advising, and they view that as feedback. Well, and and it is, and yet as academics, As instructors, as teachers, we sometimes forget the fact that that coaching involves an aspect of feedback or feed forward that we that we often take for granted. And yet, the research shows how important that is. That was the most important factor. Again, both you and I were somewhat surprised at at that, and and I guess we shouldn't be. So, yeah, I agree. Let's go down that path. So, what is feedback? What is feedback? So, what what did our data reveal? And, And you know, do you want to just summarize that for us?
1: Sure. One thing I think about is in our, our article um, we talk a bit about what Hattie talks about when he refers to feedback. He says, you know, what what am I doing? Where am I going? How do I get there? And when I think of that, it, it kind of pulls together what feedback and feedback work is. Um, and, and some of our, our students when talking about feedback, some of them, you know, We put various indicators, various items that they could choose. What what does feedback mean to you? Um, Does it mean to improve my grade, improve my performance, understand the task better? Does it mean to deepen my learning, help me understand my errors, challenge my thinking, help me with my learning outcomes? Those pieces. And and we took a look at, we wanted to to know from our students' perspective what they perceived feedback to be. Now, I could go into depth in each one of these, and I actually do in the write-up. But it's interesting across the board what feedback, what they thought feedback was, but what they valued in feedback most was the coaching, the dialogue with the instructor. Um, and then the growth mindset instruction to help them get to that point where they could accept that coaching and dialogue with the instructor. So that's really, I think, key in understanding how our learners perceive feedback so that they can then take that move forward. Thoughts on that?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, boy! you mentioned a whole other topic on the growth mindset. That's another topic for a a learner's mindset discussion that we're going to have to do. But uh, I want to make that connection um, about the significance of that. Um, So uh, just to confirm what you're saying that preparing the learner to accept that feedback was an integral part uh, that we learned about. And both you and I learned a lesson in through the, the digital learning and leading program. We were finding that when students got to my courses, the core courses, two or three courses in, if we didn't prepare them to accept the feedback and the feed forward. Um, they had a great amount of difficulty. They, uh, students were working towards that A. It was important for them to make sure they checked things off the list. Um, and uh, we, we dealt with a growth mindset in our uh, third or our fourth course. But once we shifted the notion of the growth mindset to the introductory course in the program and have students explore the idea the fact that, you know, we all have a learning capacity and, and shifting from that fixed mindset where you have this thinking that you've got certain skills and talents that you were born with and that's it. Right. Um, And then moving into the type of thinking, you know, Carol Dweck's work on, on, on the growth mindset, where you shift into the type of thinking that, well, no, uh, it isn't just that I'm born this way. Sure. Yeah. I've got certain genetic capability. I have certain predispositions. I have certain tendencies, but you know what? I can grow. I can adapt working hard towards a goal is an important factor that failure, failure is crucial without failure. You don't learn, right? The, the notion of failing forward, this idea of failing forward that we borrowed from, uh, who did we borrow that from? Um, Marshall, Goldsmith? No, no, it was John C. Maxwell. Yes, Maxwell. (laughs) We're researchers, right? We we look at so many people's ideas and grab this idea from here, grab this idea from there. Yeah, yeah. Maxwell's notion of failing forward, I think, is amazing, and and that came up in the research. That comes up in the discussion all the time when we're working with students. Once students move into uh, move away from that growth mindset thinking. Uh, sorry, the fixed mindset thinking to the growth mindset thinking where they recognize that that running into trouble, failure, making mistakes, that's part of the learning process. And when they recognize that they're not being penalized for making mistakes, but it's through those mistakes and then the adjustments the pivots they have to make, the accommodations they have to make, the adjustments, stepping back, maybe looking at things from another perspective, maybe starting anew. And that's something that a lot of students, um, you know, really are paranoid about. Oh, what if, I, what if I have to redo my innovation plan? Some students learn through the course of the program, they've redone their innovation plan two maybe three times but that's okay because you're making those adjustments and when you're working in the real world you're growing you're developing you're adjusting you're accommodating you're building something that's going to make a difference for others right and so that that notion of failure and failing forward it isn't a bad thing it's a crucial thing and and you want to fail fail fast fail often and get it out of the way so you can get onto the good stuff so that was extremely important when we shifted the focus on the growth mindset to the first course and really establish that foundation, then when students came into my core courses, they were ready for the struggle that they were going to face when they were dealing with building their innovation plan. So our research confirms that that move that we made was crucial, yeah. so, so crucial. And, and in that, that is yeah. the feedback that, that we give them, that dialogue. Sorry, I, I interrupted. What we were you gonna say?
1: That's great. Now, I think that one of the comments in the interviews is that and some of the open text responses from the research study mentioned that when I knew as a student that feedback came from a place of care, all of a sudden, like, there's that relationship with the, with the instructor. It's not just a, you know, hurry up, and check the box, oh, I got my grade. You no. Know, but the relationship building with the instructor, whether it's through meetings or after meetings, uh, after class meetings. But when it came from a place of care, the receptivity to that feedback, along with the growth mindset instruction, um, was bolstered. And then at that point, students, what we also found was students preferred a mixed method of feedback. A lot of them loved the video feedback. A lot of them loved writing, written feedback, depending upon the assignment. So when they knew that it was coming from a place of care, they were... Comfortable in receiving that because it's like, okay, you're helping me. You're not just leading me to fail in this fail forward movement (laughs) You're helping me with the forward part of this fail forward movement and helping me take that feedback and and using it to to better my innovation plan or the work that I'm doing which brings in that coaching aspect that you talked about relationship building I, I would argue that one of the most important things we could do as an instructor, is to build relationships with our students. You don't do that from lecturing um, traditionally and talking, reading every slide on a PowerPoint. You do that by that dialogue and discourse that you have with the students before, after hour, you know, uh, in an email, whatever that is. But a place of care and kind of relationship building. And this is actually modeling what our students need to see, feel, and do when they go in the field and they enact uh, their innovation plans. You know.
0: Really wonderful point. So I, I just want to really summarize so that we are clear for our listeners that, so feedback is really about, or effective feedback is, is really, um, bolstered or, um, supported by that trusted relationship. And guess what? That's what Hattie's research shows, right? His, his research and his work he's done with the visible learning, trusted Uh, Feedback within a trusted relationship is the most significant thing that contributes to student achievement is what Hattie points to and that's from his research and we've confirmed that we've confirmed that if you actually build that relationship with a learner and let them know that you care let them know that your job and your responsibility as the instructor in that program in the course is to help them be successful is to help them build that innovation plan and build that learning environment that is going to change their learner's world. Once they recognize that you are in their corner, that you are not only rooting for them, but you're there to help them, it changes everything. They see you as this guided or guiding mentor. They see you as a trusted person who they can then open themselves up to and be a little bit more vulnerable in terms of making mistakes, because guess what? You're there to support. You're there to encourage. You're there to say, it's going to be all right. right. And when you say, listen, I, I wish you didn't have to experience the feelings you're experiencing, the anxiety, the frustrations, but you know what? You're going to get through it. You know, once they know that they're going to get through it and once they know that you are supporting them and you're going to help them get through that angst, that frustration, the anxiety, all that stuff that comes with failure and with, with challenges, once they really understand that you are on their side, it just changes things. And it, it really lets them know that they can actually accomplish what they want. And they really, some students just, it's like clicking a switch. Once they get that, oh yeah, hey. Dr. Thibodeau is on my side, Dr. Hrapnick's on my side, you know, my instructor is on my side, I can do this. And when they have to face all the challenges that real world um, innovation plans and learning opportunities uh, give them, um, they can make it. And it's exciting to see. And they tough it out. They, they, they learn to make those adjustments. They learn to make uh, those changes that are necessary. So it, it is it is exciting. Now, it, it's surprising that in our research, we are still almost looking at the conventional feedback, and that we we're reminded of just how important that dialogue and that trust is in that, that context. The other thing, too, that, that our research confirmed is that the growth mindset, by making that shift, you know, and putting that growth mindset at the very beginning of the program. And also we have to let our listeners know, we also have our students revisit that growth mindset four or five courses in. Um, That's the other thing that I think is really important. And this is gonna be a subject of another research project that we'll have to work on, but this idea of multiple iterations. You don't just deal with something once you often have to go back revise edit revise start to apply it and make a difference and and the exciting thing that i get to see and uh, uh, because i don't i actually don't deal with the intro course as much as you have but you know you introduce the students to the growth mindset and then i get to see what happens after four or five courses where the students have worked with a little bit or they're honest enough to admit that, well, I didn't really apply it because when I first looked at it, I didn't really trust it or I didn't think it was going to work. But now I realize that I started to dabble in it and my kids love it and, and, and they realize, well, I really have to you know, become purposeful. And I think one of the biggest things that, that um, I've seen when I work with these students in that dialogue, in that dialogue that I have with them is that they start to recognize, you know, it, it wasn't until I started to apply the growth mindset to myself the growth mindset thinking, adopting the notion of yet, not yet. Once I started to do that to myself, then it was easier for me to share that with my learners. And then once I could share that and I could model that with my learners, the feedback that I was giving my learners, they would say, was then, much more warmly received, and so it, it was interesting to see that in our dialogue, we're seeing that what we're paying forward or having our learners pay forward is paying them dividends, so to speak, with their learners. And it's exciting to see that those multiple iterations, that dialogue, the feedback that we give, is really making a difference. And they're starting to see the the things that we are modeling in terms of coaching um, are starting to work. So it it can be quite exciting to to do that. But what are what are some of the challenges that that you've noticed in, in doing this type of feedback?
1: Well, when you were talking, I kept thinking of learner engagement with the feedback, engaging with the feedback, and what does that mean? Um, students, you know, we can, we can point things out and help them, but ultimately they have to make some decisions. And sometimes they'll make a decision that is or isn't as conducive to the plans and their innovation plan and what they're looking to do. We have to kind of let them go with that. So they might, they might turn around and look at that and say, well, you're, you know, your feedback to me was this, but it didn't actually work out that way. But you know what? That's part of connecting, collaborating, working together and, and starting to take some ownership and autonomy over what they're doing. So engaging with the feedback. So I kept thinking about that. How do we get our learners to get over that? I see growth mindset instruction there. I see building out that relationship. I see giving uh, uh, feedback to challenge thinking and helping uh, um, folks really... Um, make decisions and have dialogue with the people around them to make those plans work. So, learner engagement. So, that's just kind of a recap of what you were talking about. But some of the challenges and issues I think folks um, have whenever they're you know, getting their feedback to help them feed forward is they don't really see a clear picture of what that looks like. And a lot of times, it's, it's easy for students to say, okay, well, you know, I heard your ideas, but I don't really know how to do this. Um, you know, it, how does that look in my world? I've got all these you know, administrative stipulations and, and stops as I go. How do I realize this? How do I do this? Sometimes they have to stop and take a few steps back and think, OK, let me think a little smaller. Let me think a little bit smaller about this and maybe start as a focus group. And this is where that iterating process comes in. This is where the autonomy and learning starts taking shape and, and molding. But challenge in seeing how to use that feedback and tweaking what they think is already done or finished iterating you know I, I think there's some issues with that um, sometimes we run into challenges of um, people don't actually you know take some of the feedback and use it at all so we've had those kinds of issues and then they run into some issue further down a few courses later or uh, an issue in their innovation plan that it didn't go out as they planned well it, you know considered this here this might have worked there so I think engaging with the feedback can become an issue sometimes um, and then really understanding what that feedback means and how it impacts their bigger picture. Those are my thoughts.
0: You know, um, when I when I was listening to you, I was thinking about another challenge. And I'm going to refer to this one as a systemic challenge. And a lot of the things that you were talking about are a result of that systemic challenge. In In our K-12 environment, we, we focus on information, delivery, and, you know, retrieval, and then, you know, through standardized testing and a variety of other means students are able to regurgitate whether or not they've taken in the information and they've received it and they can give it back to you. And and we we check that off. And so we have a system of education that really values that information, you know, delivery, retrieval, regurgitation model, right? The information transfer model. And in that model, once you learn how to work it, 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 you, you really don't have to work that hard and you know, you can, follow the checklist right a rubric becomes a checklist and it's easy for an A student to know well the instructor wants this and I'll give them this and and if they check off all five things on on the rubric where they're going to get their A or get 100% and that's good and and you know they they will work towards that but when you shift to working on authentic learning opportunities it isn't so cut and dry. You, right. you don't have that checklist. We're not looking at information regurgitation. And so the feedback is really about, well, you're proposing to do this plan. You're proposing to implement a makerspace and you know, what are some of the dynamics? Sometimes there isn't even a physical space where the makerspace is gonna go, or they're to planning to do a blended learning environment with station rotation model. And then while they're experimenting with, the principal walks by the room and notices how noisy the classroom is. Kids are making noise and they're working in groups and it's noisy and it seems to be completely unruly because that's how learning can look like that when you're working collaboratively, right? And then, and, and then there's pushback. Right, you know, there's so many systemic issues. Well, why don't you just give them worksheets? It's easier to assess, right? We, you know, because most organizations are working towards demonstrating to um, higher level administrators that learners have, you know, um, checked these items off the list because they're able to regurgitate that information on a test of some sort. And so, this idea of feedback that is connected to real world learning opportunities, a lot of our learners just aren't used to doing that. They they don't have that you know years right. of 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 um, experience that they've gained in solving problems in critical and analytical thinking and in looking at how do you actually change the world around you um, and then taking that responsibility. So there's fear because yeah. of the systemic issue. There's fear. There's anxiety, um, and that is a, a major point. And and I think you had mentioned earlier that our learners talk about the fact that once they can sort of trust you, um, and they need to trust you when you tell them that they're gonna be okay, because they're going down a path that quite often they've never gone down before. Working on a real-world problem and solving a real-world problem that they've identified, and that is important to them, and that has an audience that is, you know, uh, that they can't control, there's a lot of these variables that they're just not used to. And so we have to come alongside. We have to encourage. We have to support. We have to let them know, yeah, guess what? You're going to feel anxious. <laughs> guess what? You're going to be a little bit afraid, but guess what? You'll get used to it. And, and you know, we, we warn them, I can't take away those feelings, but you're going to get used to dealing with them because real change, real improvement, making an impact on learners' lives, changing the world one letter at a time can be a scary thing. But once you start to see those epiphany moments, when, when your learner's eyes get really big and they go, oh my God, I can do this. I, I'm actually going to do this. So when I work with the learners in, in the core courses that I work with, I often see comments in the discussions where there's this realization I'm going to be able to do this. I'm actually going to be able to do this, and then there might be a comment. Not exactly sure how it's going to play out, but I'm going to do this, and and it it's it's one of the most amazing uh, things to see when when your learners realize they are changing the world one learner at a time, and and the struggles that they put into it. And these struggles aren't that bad. Quite often, the struggle is. A little bit of uncertainty, a little bit of angst, and sometimes just, it's just a matter of getting past that. So this is such an important thing, and, and it starts with that environment that we create, that context. Yes. And, and that's, I think, one of the things that, that really, you know, um, le- leapt out at me when I was looking at the research. It is about that significant learning environment. It is about that context, and and you know we've been we've been hypothesizing this for a lot of years. I've been hypothesizing this for a long time. I'm not the only one. Dewey, Piaget, Bruner, all these constructivists have been hypothesizing the learning environment plays a significant role because it helps provide the context. But to see research bear itself out, to see practical experience in our learners' lives bear itself out, is quite exciting. Um, it doesn't take away from the anxiety and frustration and fear, but to see the success uh, is, is amazing. And again, the, our, our, this article that, that, that we're working on right now, um, I think is quite exciting. And, and I think it should be quite encouraging because it really points to the fact that if we care enough to let our learners fail a little bit, if we care enough to let our learners go out there and experiment and make it real, if we care enough, To let go and to trust the fact that the humans are some of the most amazing learning entities on the planet if we trust that a few of these things it can make a world of difference um and it's it's exciting to see that bear itself out in the research yeah we got to get that um we got to get it published right away so it's almost there right next week we're submitting isn't that the plan (laughs)
1: um yeah i think We always should give consideration, and this really came to light to me whenever I was writing the article, is the conditions and the context in which feedback is embedded. It's important to take a look at. Okay, so the conditions might be, you know, when we give our learners choice ownership, voice through authentic learning opportunities, or COVA, um, they are going to have those instances where they're uncomfortable. And I tell them, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) That's part of the growing process. Yeah, here's your box. Step out, you know, get the tools you need. Come back in your box. Step back out, back and forth. So it's really a matter of like you're talking about give and take, caring, um, and 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 when they start realizing, okay, these are the conditions. I I I can get used to this. Then they start applying what they're learning more to their context and hanging on the words that we're saying and working with their peers that are in similar situations that can give them the feedback that they need as well. Because working with their peers and getting that feedback is almost just, if not as more important than our feedback, looking at some of Patty's previous research. So I think that dialogue and um, discourse, not just with the instructor, but but peers as well, is is another element. Um, and, And what I love is that they're never alone. They're all building innovation plans. They're all working towards something. We all are in our lives. You and I are working on our own projects and, and working in our program, and we need that with each other to build each other up, help each other, help each other see things that we didn't otherwise see. That's what collaboration, team effort, team building is all about, and um, coming together for a common goal, and looking to see how can I help improve um, uh, based on your, your ideas and, and what I'm looking at to do here. So. I think that it's working. I know that it, you know, um, in terms of our research, our, our students were kind of all over the board in terms of what they, what they selected, you know, some of them really put heavy emphasis on helping them understand what they, you know, their errors are looking forward. Some of them really were interested in challenging their thinking, you know, that's why I look at feedback. Some of them wanted to deeply improve um, uh, what they're looking to do and, and their uh, learning outcomes, etc. So, I mean, it, it was kind of all over the board in, the, in that respect, but I can appreciate that students do have those different perspectives because that collective perspective is what they then pull together, talk about, bring to their courses, and then move forward with their ideas. So I, I can appreciate the different uh, perspectives.
0: Now, when, when you talk about things being all over the board and the different perspectives, some people think, hmm, well, that's you've lost control of what's happening. Well, actually, that is what you would call personalized learning. Personalized learning is not doing skill and drill um, or drill and kill on a a piece of software. No, that's not personalized learning. This notion of personalized learning that we're seeing in the educational marketplace is just dead wrong. It's just a sort of a revisitation of the Skinner's box, right? And, And I'm not the... You know, That's not my saying, there's a lot of people talking about that, you know, Diane Ravitch and Larry Cuban, all these other um, you know big hitters in, in the world of uh, education are talking about the fact that personalized learning is a, still kind of a bit of a myth, but actual personalized learning is what we're talking about. Each of our students sees things differently, and when we meet them where they're at, and we meet them where they're at in their project... Um, and we can help them do the things that are important to them at that particular time, it makes a world of difference. It's so significant. The other thing that you touched on that is important, and, and we can't lose sight of this. You mentioned the fact that they collaborate with each other that collaborative environment. So in, in the DLL program, we have set this up from the get-go where all the discussions online, again, a program is an online program, but all the discussions online bring the learners together. They work together to work on the assignments, to help each other out, to help each other solve their unique problems in their unique setting. Once students realize that their cohort is there for for themselves to work with and to help, you know, they realize they can help each other. It changes things. I I remember one student who graduated recently uh, talked of her colleagues as, you know, uh, her, her super team. Right. Um she you know, it's it's like the Avengers team, her own personal Avengers team. And 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 these people, you know, were were people that she relied on to make a difference in her world. That is exciting. Um, I, I've got a bit of anecdotal evidence to provide here and and I, I think when we give learners the opportunity to come together and they work on real world problems they help each other deal with their anxiety they come together to support and encourage and 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 those students who are out there further on that limb taking bigger and bigger risks are then modeling what it takes to be able to make those changes and the Mm -hmm. students who are a little bit fearful a little bit apprehensive well yeah you know dr thibodeau and dr rapnik said we can do this but I'll hold back a little bit, but when they see their colleagues, they see classmates, they see other people doing these things, and they see that model, they think, well, you know, I'll give it a try. I'll go out there, I'll I'll give it a chance. And, And I think what we're doing is we're helping to develop people who can become coaches and mentors and who can model, innovative thinking, critical and analytical thinking. And here's the anecdotal evidence. So I, I mentioned this before. My younger son has got a, a new business venture. He's he's customizing cars. And uh, the other day, oh, actually, I pop by every couple of days. I try not to go there every day, but I'm, I'm having fun see, living through the excitement of what he's doing. He's working on an amazing project. He's doing something that hasn't been done up here in Canada. And, and he's sort of building a custom design on, on a very high-end model. And every time I show up to his shop, he's got two, three, sometimes four of his buddies hanging out, living vicariously through the work that he's doing. And, and it, it just, it's nonstop, uh, excitement to see these other young guys, often who are quite a bit older than he is, going. Oh, Caleb, listen, man. You know, at some point, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to I'm going to join you. I got to do this. They they see the courage that Caleb has in stepping out and experimenting, and they're starting to see. Wow, if this young guy can do it. Maybe I can do it too, and so you know, the other saying, you know, as soon as I finish my apprenticeship, or as soon, as soon as I finish this course of studies, as soon as I finish my degree, you know, what Caleb, I'm going to join you. And so what I see there is, you know, the modeling that Caleb is is doing, not even intentional. It's not even intentional modeling, but he in, he involves his friends. They're involved in the process. And quite often they're helping, they're holding, they're, they're, they're working with him. You know, they're contributing to what he's doing and they're recognizing that they too can step out. They too can make a difference. They too can be innovative. They too can be creative. They too can make a difference. If they take that risk and they step out, and so when you've got people who are able to model that type of critical and analytical thinking, that that notion of exploration, you know, that desire to be creative and innovative, and that willingness to experiment in that space of unknown, that can make a world of difference. You know, it it empowers people because they see that, wow, you know what? If they, if Caleb can do it, I can do it too. And that's what we see in the Dll program, and and I, you know, we have the privilege of seeing students start out and then graduate, and to see the growth and development, and see the mentoring that they do with each other, to see the coaching that they do with each other, and they don't even think about it. It just becomes this natural process. They step out, and and the other exciting thing that that we see is that in our Facebook group, you know, students who've graduated. Um, a year ago jump into a conversation uh, with current students and say, wow, you know what? I experienced that too at the beginning, and I was quite nervous, I was frustrated, but you know, trust the system, trust the process, trust Dr. Thibodeau, trust Dr. Hrapnik, they're gonna help you through this. Don't worry, you'll get over that fear. And to see students come back and encourage and support and provide feedback that is authentic and genuine, and that comes from experience, is amazing. It, it's often. Um, I, I think that's another research project we need to show that. Quite often, this feedback from peers is even more important than the feedback we give. What What are your thoughts about seeing that dynamic? It, it's just amazing. It blows me away. I know you've seen it. You experienced it uh, as much as I have. Any comments? Um, not
1: too much, there I love. I love the example that you shared about your son because you know, inadvertently, they are. They're dialoguing about better ways to do things. You know, what, what I should – and he's taking that feedback, and he knows it's his friend. It's a trusted source. It's kind of the same – it's kind of the same thing, them coming alongside him and helping him out in, in, in different ways. Um, and that, that, to me, is a valuable thing because sometimes people get defensive about the things that they're doing. And it's kind of like I built the building, don't put a flagpole up in front of it. You know, because it's going to take away from the building. (laughs) So my thought is, you know, contribute, collaborate, work together, not just with the professors. It's where we come alongside them. Come alongside them, and we're helping them achieve their goals. And we're using that feedback and that dialogue to help them get there. That's really the notion of pulling this all back to feed-forward concepts. What are your beliefs? What are your goals? Uh, What am I doing? How do I get there? What's the best way to get there? Okay, here's what I'm doing. How do I get to this level of performance if that's what I see in my mind is where I need to go to take this project further? And I think that's what Caleb is doing right now with his project. So that's a great example. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely have a lot of research studies that could spin right off of this one, <laughs> for sure.
0: Well, you mentioned feet forward. It, it is something that I, I don't think we see enough of. And was it, is it Goldsmith or Goldstone? who? Um,
1: Goldsmith.
0: Goldsmith, yeah, Roger Goldsmith. Um, I, I've enjoyed his books and I've enjoyed the work that he's done. And, and we don't see enough of that in, in the educational community because he, he's from yeah. the business background, right? And so you see some of that notion of feed forward in the business community. And, and I think as educators, we can learn a lot of lessons from other disciplines, right? And so when we bring in this notion of feed forward uh, in terms of coaching – um, I, I think educators are missing this opportunity to really leverage coaching, leverage feed forward because it isn't it doesn't have a foundation in, in traditional educational circles um, but it's so powerful and and as you mentioned you're know, uh, you commenting on on the scenario with with my son. But it isn't just what we're seeing with my son and how he's encouraging his colleagues to work with him. We see it in the DLL program continuously. Um, I monitor the discussions the students have um, in our courses. And it is so amazing to see two or three students come together and say, oh, listen, I felt that way too. But once I did this, it made a difference. And guess what? Don't forget about doing X, Y, and Z, because when I did X, Y, and Z, that changed a, B, and C. So you, you have students coming together and they start to provide feed forward, right? So once you start to model this, once you start to create that environment, once you create that context with that significant learning environment, and that, see, one of the factors of creating a significant learning environment is recognizing the learner is at the center, but the learner is not alone the learner is part of a learning community and, and you know we're social beings if you look at Vygotsky's work and 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 other people's work uh it, you know Misero, it's so important to recognize that we learn within the context of community and in that informal learning perspective and learning from each other that is i i we're social beings that's the way we function it's it's amazing to see those dynamics and so when our learners come together because of that environment that we created um it's wonderful to see that that pays dividends now there is another issue that, that we're, we're seeing too, and I wanted to touch on this, and this might be a topic for another whole discussion. As our program scales, our numbers are getting bigger and bigger. And if you've got 40 or 50 or 60 students in a course, it's, it can be difficult giving them the individual video feedback and, and to come along. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that as things get bigger and bigger? What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts? Because I, I do have some things I want to touch on uh, and maybe sort of foreshadow where, where we can go with the next discussion, but what are your thoughts?
1: Well, I, I don't have an answer for that just yet. I've had some ideas run through my brain about providing a combination of different types of feedback. You know, we have some instructional associates that help us out here and there, but get different types of feedback written, up, you know, video. I mean, I don't really have an answer for that just yet. Uh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Thought well,
0: um, the reason I introduced this is that, feedback, that individual relationship that we have, uh, again, our research identifies that is extremely important. It also as important, and again the research bears this out, is that collaborative feedback that comes from the group, right? From the cohort, from the students, right? So um, if we can establish a trusted relationship, not necessarily just through the individual feedback, but maybe we set up a series of videos like I'm doing if you think about some of the videos I'm creating that that I give students access to and the feedback that I would be giving them individually Is going to be very similar to what I've done in these videos And then I make a connection between what I'm doing in those videos to the group And you get the groups to come together and provide feedback and you you build sort of a system in place where you've got Different levels and then if you can do the one-on-one here and there what i 've seen, and again more research needs to bear this out is that quite often and i I have been tracking this quite often, if I can actually do two or three sometimes four individual one on one scenarios with a learner, sometimes that 's enough to get them to the point where all they need is thirty seconds here quick comment there, quick phone call there. You know, you you might have to spend an hour or two with them initially to get them going. But then once you've established that, then they're, they're, much more willing and receptive to see those little small incremental adjustments as you go along. And so if you can look at building those bigger opportunities where you have that interactive time um, and then build that trust more rapidly, then you can move down that path. But I think you can also build that trust uh, within the group and let the people know that you're, you're in that group as well. You're you're part of their cohort. You're part of their support group, and so you know. I think we need to go down that path and experiment with some of those things. And as our program scales, I think we're we're going to be able to do that. Um, It'll be interesting to see what what we're able to uh, establish. But again, um, I think it's Erdman's or Erdman's research on um, you know uh, the significance people place on different groups. It's very very clear. Um, our learners today view their peers on par with their professor. You know, that's, that's an important thing for us to understand. Um, our learners today are looking to the people to the left, to the right, who are on, you know, Google Hangout on zoom who are on Facebook. They're looking to their communities for that support. So that feedback and that coaching and that environment, you know, when we think about creating a significant learning environment, let's not forget, guess what? The learning environment includes everything, social media, uh, social dynamics. So, you know, we, we often look at us. We're the authority. We, we are the ones who have to bless everything. We are the ones who have to give the definitive feedback. Maybe maybe we don't. Maybe we model. Maybe we coach. Maybe we come alongside at that key time. Maybe as a coach, it's really a matter of just stepping back enough to be able to observe and see what needs to be done and making those small little tweaks and adjustment. Um, and then allow the community to move in the direction that it's going to go. So th- these are some of the things that, 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 you know, I'm looking at and, and I'm, you know, I think we need to start experimenting with our research as well. What are, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. I was just thinking while you were talking that stepping back enough to look into a, a particular specific situation that students trying to, to, to do grapple with, but asking them questions. Sometimes, and we talked about this before, you know, the right questions are often more important than the right answers. But stepping back and asking some questions to prompt them to start thinking, oh, oh, where it's their idea, they generate it, they come up with it, they move forward with it. That's where we want them to be. They start taking ownership and autonomy when we move into that sector. So giving them those opportunities, providing the conditions to, to allow that to happen the context um, I think is, is the right way to go, and I think we're there. We just have to figure out exactly what the best way is to kind of scale this if we continue doing this. I can definitely see we have peer circles helping each other out, and again, we come alongside that circle and help them out um, in, in a more holistic way. Uh, group. And what I like about that idea is that students don't feel like you're, you know, pinpointing them specifically. You're actually talking to the group, and and, and you're talking, discussing, dialoguing, and um, sharing ideas and you know best practices. So. I like that idea. Um, And yeah, I think we probably covered this topic pretty closely, unless you have any other final comments.
0: Um, (laughs) Well, I I do have one final comment, and I want to make a connection to what we're doing with the Communities of Practice. And and I think our Communities of Practice research that we're, we're working on right now will play a significant role in the conversation we're having, because as we establish these Communities of Practice, um, and we look at setting up the system and the infrastructure to bring people together to collaborate, not just within a course, but to collaborate all across the nation or across the world in communities of practice, I think we're going to learn a lot of lessons. And I I think a lot of the things that we're talking about, um, the systems that you can put in place to bring people together to collaborate, to share, um, can make a a difference. You know, one of the most exciting things uh, that, that I see with the internet of today is that it's so much easier for people to come together and share um and and i I think we live in in again i gotta apologize we live in the most amazing time to be a learner now i was saying that 20 years ago i'll be saying that 20 years from now because it just gets better and better yeah it does and so I, i think with communities of practice and what we're learning there and what we're setting up through our facebook groups and through all the things that we're doing is going to make a significant difference because over the years I think one of the missing links with communities of practice is that um, they were too controlled. You and I both talked about the fact, about well, this control, sometimes as the educator, we control every dynamic and scenario. And what you and I are learning, hmm, sometimes we step back, you step back, you ask questions and you let the community, you let the group move and you see where it's flowing and you go, Oh, wow. Okay. I, I didn't see that. And you allow the group and you trust the group to do that, because guess what? A lot of these people are coming together because they wanna change the world one letter at a time, because they wanna make that maker space and to ignite those young minds. You know, you got the email the other day from one of our students who pointed to one of her students and this young grade four student and her e-portfolio. So when, when we see the significance of one of our students pointing to one of her students, Whoa, it's working, and when we share that with others, it is going to change the world. She is changing the world one learner at a time. We've seen it in that. That younger, I, I, I've watched that little video, it's a long video, but this young girl is so proud of what she's doing. This young girl is going to change her world and change the world around her. In grade four, you know, so one of our students has ignited the spark of learning. And, and you're never going to quench that. You're never going to quench that. The change that's going to come about, the ramifications, that ripple effect. It is so exciting. It made my day. I, I can hardly wait to, uh, I haven't responded yet. I wanted to touch base with you on that. But isn't that amazing? We are changing the world one at a time. And we do that collaboratively we do that through sharing we do that by coaching by encouraging by helping people realize yeah it's okay to make a mistake it's okay to experiment but that's all part of the process of change and innovation exciting good stuff it is i think we've done it i think we've covered it today well thanks so much and um I'm excited to explore some of these other topics and uh, look forward to our next discussion.
1: Take care.